We've been relying too much on guests to provide content. This is just you and me, buddy. Exactly. This is pure, unfiltered, raw, unadulterated energy. Straight potting. Straight potting yep. right now. <laughs> just I'm, uh, I'm kind of worried that I don't think we're that funny. Uh, and we're just good at making fun of guests. <laughs> oh, I feel the same. <laughs> Though I think I that the like Roswell episode was pretty good, but that might have been a I, fluke. I think that was a fluke. Well, uh, you know, I, uh, we tried. We tried. I feel more professional now, though. Like, we got an Excel yeah. sheet with guests oh, on it. Oh, yeah. A schedule. We are using Trello again. Right. And and uh, I, I got my second screen working right now, so I can have Discord on, like, the big screen up here and then, like my Trello nice. board on another screen. It's it's pretty cool. There you go. And I've well nothing nothing about my setup has changed. But we've got actually a lot of notes for this one like <clears throat> an this... almost overwhelming <laughs> amount of notes. <laughs> this is a uh, hands down going to be the most researched episode we've ever done. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think there's almost a almost a decade of cumulative research. Mm-hmm. that is making this podcast, which is really disappointing given, you know, you'd expect a lot more from a decade of research, right? <laughs> I, I don't want to frame it that way. A lot of these notes right. were from uh, last summer when we were going to try to start the podcast again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wrote out a bunch of notes and that was a lot of the research. Well, let's talk real quick about why MK Ultra is important to the mythos of very legal, very cool. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. It so all started Jer- on a video chat. It all started on G- Google Hangouts. Yeah, Google in, Hangouts, we were maybe like 2010. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 2010 yeah, sounds right. Around yeah, then. The, the prime of like the first term of Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, young conservative boys. <laughs> the two of us. I cringe we cringed thinking, thinking back on that, but yeah. but it was you and me and the open internet back when the internet was still kind of the Wild West and a Wikipedia page that led to uh, staying up in, until about 4 a.m. reading CIA documents about Project MKUltra. Part of that is just like basically, basically like Jared and I's friendship started with he lived in Iowa here for like a, a year or two. How mm-hmm. long did you actually? Yeah, whatever. Two years, I think. You moved away. So we had a very like online friendship. So like. To this day. Yeah, uh, to this day. And so like how we stayed friends was being on these Google Hangouts and being like, dude, look at this fucking weird Wikipedia page I found. Mm-hmm. And that led us into the Flat Earth Society. That led us into. Yep. The uh, moon landing hoax, which is the, you know, recorded but unpublished first episode. Right. Um, and then it led us deep into MK Ultra, which had such a deep influence on who I am as a person, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like. <laughs> probably not for the best. But probably not. But <laughs> but it has been a, a consistent, just a consistent thread through my life since that day. You know, there was. That research that we did with MKUltra um, in college, I did an entire semester's research project on MKUltra, and it just, it keeps coming up. And I keep, you know, every, like once a year or so, I'll do another deep dive into it. 
And there's yeah. always new, interesting, disturbing things to find. Well, yeah. So, like, for me, how it always seems to come back up was kind of my transition leftward. A lot of people's journey left. They start dealing with, like, wait a second, the FBI infiltrated leftist groups. But, like, that was never a shocker to me because I had right. spent, like, age 12 reading about this. So I was like, oh, buddy, they did worse than that. Oh, yeah, it was all mind control <laughs> and crack cocaine yeah. back then. <laughs> Dude, Back there, when there the CIA was, was cool. Back, yeah, well, I mean, we don't know what they're doing now, but I could really say True. that we know for a fact the CIA was just kind of, like, just insane in the 60s It was and the no 50s. man's land. Co- Cold War CIA could do whatever they want. And so, you know, if the CIA still functions that way, I assume we're going to get shut down after this episode. God, I hope so. That would be so, super um, cool. We should probably formally do this before we get any farther. Welcome to Very Legal, Very Cool, a podcast that's about to be shut down by the CIA. The only podcast that we had to prepare our wills beforehand for. <laughs> there's a lot of other people doing this kind of stuff but oh certainly you know, at no, the I very would... least we, we have interesting shit to say at parties like that that's exactly. what i'd say we are going to be like the the trivia champions in the trivia games that no one plays yeah cause... yeah yeah uh jeopardy mk ultra edition yeah <laughs> right yeah Je- none of this stuff Je- ever comes up and the, the other <laughs> issue is this is not a fun party conversation it's like hey yeah hey <laughs> You want to hear about CIA mind control? I I just like I get on Jeopardy. I'm like I don't know how the fuck I got here. And then like <laughs> the the question that co- like the the topic that comes up is illegal CIA programs, and I'm like yes. It's like fuck yeah, I know like two of them. fuck. Yes. I only know like two of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I would have to do. I don't know if I could actually do well on that. Yeah, I, I would do it. well on one specific. CIA illegal MK CIA Ultra, program. I could probably do a Project Chaos. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I could I mean, do the assuming, home game. Like, yeah. <laughs> the CIA conspiracy Jeopardy home game for Patreon <laughs> tiers, fifty dollars or above. <laughs> oh my god! Like that would be a funny YouTube content thing to uh-huh. create a Jeopardy game where you and I are hosting it, and then bring on all like past guests. I love and, like, that. Make them play Jeopardy. I, I, I love. We could do that. So we could fun. do like an audio version of that. Mm-hmm. We could give everyone buzzers. Yeah, that would be so fun. That would act. That would actually be like pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, it's just very legal, very cool Jeopardy. We pull from all of our episodes. I think that actually legal, be a very... ton of fun. I think that's like doable. I think it would be fun. Uh, I also, I also want to do like you know, Jackbox games as a video content thing at some Mm -hmm. point too. I think that would be be fun fun. because playing with a bunch of people with the same inside jokes. Yeah. That like have developed in this, you know, show. Yes. And like the people that actually listen to the show. That would be fun. So then they'd, they'd know a bit of it. Speaking of people that listen to the show, we are only three followers away from the 100 follower mark. I'm so proud of us. I know. 
after only two years <laughs> of running this, <laughs> we've we've almost gotten hundred followers. <laughs> oh fuck! Okay, let's let's get moving here, Jared. What's you drinking today? Today I am drinking a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra Dude, IPA. Hell yes! I was gonna say this is a good episode. This is an episode we got notes, we got research, and I was I was excited to find out what you were drinking because I had a sneaking suspicion we were both actually drinking good stuff. Nice. You know, you know you, so I'm drinking a mango mosaic pale ale from Breckenridge Brewery, Ooh. fine Colorado ales. It is like one yeah. of my favorite pale ales. I actually because, just had one of those pretty recently. Oh, it's and so it's really good. good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially just because I've been on, you know, low carb since fucking April. This right. this beer is amazing. This right. Is so so now on to full carbs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. not not necessarily. I'm trying right. to, you know, I'm running and stuff. I'm not nice. going off the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I got to say, like, the Sierra Nevada Torpedo is my that's favorite, one of my favorites. all-purpose. Like, there's nothing special about it. It's just a good beer. Cool. Well, yeah, so this is a good episode. I, you know, again, we have notes. We have good drinks for once. Um, mm-hmm. I think that my mom said if she was going to listen to any episode, it would be this one. Uh, so I'm sorry for the F words. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I stopped myself midway through. I guess I'm not sure if I should say your mom's name on the podcast. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. You can, uh, you can bleep that out. <laughs> I still have not told my mom about it. I do not plan to tell my mom about I, I it, but I'm, I'm impressed by your mother's restraint because I know that I, if I told my mom, the first thing she would do is listen to it. And then the second <laughs> thing she would do is yell at me about it. Well, so like I was telling her about the episode, the Manson episode, and she's like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. that sounds so cool. And then I was like, yeah, and like Josh, we had like a drinking game and she's like, I do not want to listen to that. that's fair that's fair i would also say that we are and i'm probably gonna cut this out too but maybe i won't uh we are i think right now recording the episode that will be the new recommended episode on our website because i think in a way we're setting the stage for the next direction this podcast is going we have like a more firm idea of how we feel about conspiracy theories than we did in when we started yeah, we've worked through the trial period, right? So mm-hmm. we've kind of gotten all of our ideas out, you know, spewing shit into the world. And now we're ready to to do it for real. So this is the beginning of the beginning of Very Legal, Very Cool. Everything before this was episode zero. Exactly. We had episode <laughs> point one, point two, and this is episode one. Well, let let's do it then. Let's do it. We're talking about No, let's keep family. talking about it. Let's keep no, let's No, no, no. <laughs> Stop it. This is turning into the first two episodes again, I swear. <laughs> do you know what it's like to edit an episode where the first 30 <laughs> minutes is talking about the idea of podcasts? It's terrible. <laughs> but what is a podcast? Oh, God. Well, I think okay. that we should I think that we should open with a quote. Um yeah. so <clears throat> we're talking about Operation or Project MK Ultra, and there is a quote from George Hunter White um, about his time doing Operation Midnight Climax. And Operation Midnight Climax, we'll get into later, but it was basically sex and drugs from the CIA. It was bad. And what he said was, I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic. 
but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American lie, kill, cheat, and rape with the sanction of the all-highest? I think that is the, the perfect haunting quote to start this with, I yes. think. So what is MKUltra? MKUltra is the top secret, illegal, CIA project conducted on American soil with American citizens to effectively create a mind control solution using drugs and other less than savory techniques. It is the one of the first things we're talking about that is to some extent or another confirmed. It is not us speculating about a conspiracy. This is mm -hmm. documents that have been declassified and is a fact. And it's right. weird to say that because this is kind of one of those things that when you talk about MK Ultra, people start looking at you like like you're pitching flat earth to them. Right. But it's not that way. Like in the 70s, these documents were released. There was a bunch of New York Times press releases about it and progressively. There were multiple hearings. Yeah, yeah, there were hearings. There was it, we have slowly begun to learn more and more. That being said, we will be journeying into a little bit of speculation. Um, there will be wild speculation throughout <laughs> the course of this. Don't worry. I know that's what you're here for, and we're we're going to give the people what they want, and the people want wild speculation. Wild speculation. Yes, I, we. I think we'll do a good job of trying to clarify what is stuff that's alleged versus what is stuff that we kind of know for a fact. And we'll do that with an emphatic allegedly. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll I'll guess I'll I'll get us going yeah. on just kind of laying <laughs> the groundwork here. If that's yes. good with you. <laughs> yes, that's good. Okay. Okay, so like the idea of mind control um is a thing that like people in modern eras have been like playing with forever. You know, there's mm -hmm. um, there's several like theorists who are trying to play with the idea of that through like hypnosis or various things. So you have people like Franz Mesmer, George Estabrooks, and Alexander Luria. So it was kind of just floating around as an idea, and then we enter World War II onto the Cold War. So in World War II, the head of the Office of Strategic Services, William J. Donovan, um, he kind of played around with marijuana. Uh, as a truth serum or cannabis. Mm -hmm. he, he was just, you know, used it. He did some research on it, but nothing really came out of it. Um, and I'm assuming most of our fan base is familiar with the drug uh, and knows that it's not a truth serum. Right. So then shortly after World War II happens, we have Nuremberg and the Nuremberg trials, which is mm -hmm. when all the fucked up shit from the Nazis kind of comes out into the light. And yes. during the Nuremberg trials, it's kind of revealed that the Nazis were attempting to use mescaline as a truth drug. Which um, I assume that our listeners are also familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nuremberg, I would argue, is kind of the set, one of the like important things to understanding MKUltra. And yes. the reason I believe that is because... On the one hand, you have the Nuremberg Trials, and then you have the resulting Nuremberg Codes. Mm -hmm. uh, the Nuremberg Codes first come out. They say, hey, uh, among a lot of things, like, don't do war crimes. They're also right. like, you can't experiment on people without them knowing they're being experimented on. Yes. Right? You can't just 
do that in a concert. You can't do what the Germans did. You can't be experimenting on people in concentration camps. It's, right. It's against international law. So you have this law set But up. with the qualification that the, the CIA introduced, which was unless you really, really want to. Yes. And so that's the other thing is the Nuremberg trial also released all this research that makes a, made a bunch of officials in various countries go, ooh, but what if we did? Right. And it it's would like, be yes, like, I really see what you're fun. saying. But also that sounds cool. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, rule right, for this just... is heinous, but also <laughs> really dope. <laughs> like, I get what you did is terrible, but also I'm going to hire you to do that exact thing in my country because, wow, huge fan. So pretty much immediately afterwards, the uh, I, I think it was the CIA, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent. Some somebody in the military, as our last episode kind of laid out the, you know, the government is a, a million things at once. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there were there were attempts at, at truth drug mind control following the Nuremberg Codes. So they mm-hmm. started violating the Nuremberg Codes like pretty fucking fast, like before MK yeah. Ultra. Oh, yeah. And so the CIA is playing with the idea of truth serums. And then there is a panic that results from kind of two things. The first is the trial of Cardinal Minzenti. Do not, I'm not going to sure. quote me on the pronunciation. In 1949, he was a Hungarian anti-communist Catholic. And as he was going through the trial, he was just acting weird. And so the CIA goes, oh shit, the Soviet Union has the um, mind control drugs that we are like playing with the idea of. They're mm-hmm. doing it like he's confessing to all these crimes that they believe he did not do. So it's like this is clearly a show trial and they've clearly drugged him. Right. Um, so around this time is then where we introduce uh, see Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke. Project Bluebird came earlier and it was basically just an attempt to uh, make sure that like American troops aren't susceptible to mind control. It was more the defensive yeah. project. So the, the counter mind control that would... You know, proceed MK Ultra. Well, the thing is, it's really, really hard to do that if you don't know how they're doing the mind control. Right. <laughs> and, and so, so. they're like, fuck it, let's start. So, specifically, Project Artichoke was the attempt of the CIA's Office of Scientific Intelligence to try to see if they can involuntary, involuntarily make someone perform an assassination through mm-hmm. hypnosis, LSD, morphine, or various other substances. And this was the that idea of the Manchurian candidate, that mm. that if you know anything about MKUltra, it's probably that. And that was the the famous book that was, was that released in the 1950s, I believe, or 1960s? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Outlying, mm. Outlining a lot of what happened with Artichoke and early MKUltra. But basically, well, so, so the Manchurian to candidate, to, to be clear, that, that was yeah. um, that U.S. troops were being brainwashed by by communists. Yes, that was then what heightened the panic, because in the Korean War, a bunch of captured U.S. pilots confessed to engaging in germ warfare. And the U.S. were like, well, we weren't doing that. So they were probably drugged to falsely confess, uh, which looking back is probably a bit weird because we probably did engage in germ warfare and the. Uh, you know, government was trying to cover their ass on that. Right. You know, we don't that talk speculation. About that. So that's, yeah, that's where the, the U.S. pilots had a bunch of blank spots in their memory. And so that was the Manchurian candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who's been uh, brainwashed by communists. And so this is where the panic mm-hmm. starts. It's, oh shit, the communists have mind control. There's also a good chance, but again, speculation that the Manchurian candidate may have been a misdirection by the CIA to make the project just seem more far-fetched than it actually was um 
Yeah, it's and that would have been more know. more post post MK Ultra where they tried to turn the attention of the media more towards uh, the more far fetched. You know, like we're trying to create a super assassin and then kind of discredit themselves like that. But I don't believe it. I don't know. It's hard. I, I think it's hard whenever you're talking about the U.S. government in a post MK Ultra world, right? Because I think I, I my uh, the government would never do that impulse has been obliterated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, well, and it's I mean, it's interesting, too, because, you know, we we speak of the go- we you we talk about the government as one entity. But this right. is one of the interesting things about MK Ultra is how few people even knew it was happening, you know, allegedly. Right. But yeah, um, from what we know, you know, after duels, the um, head of the CIA, when MKUltra was founded, resigned. The, the next head of the CIA a- apparently didn't even know about the project until the mid-60s. And at no point did more than like six or so of the CIA's top brass know that the project existed. Right. Allegedly. But- allegedly. <clears throat> but it, this is kind of what we were talking about in the last episode. Right. Yeah. The the government is employees of employees of employees of employees. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's part of the reason I think MK Ultra was able to be concealed so easily is because there just weren't so that many people involved in it, mm-hmm. or if they were, they weren't even really aware of what they were doing because they were under some sort of subsection of it. Yes. Although yes. it does get pretty big, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> right. So, well, let's get there. So, Richard Officially, Helms. And Sidney Gottlieb were two of, um, you know, the, the two that essentially started MKUltra. Richard Helms would, would later go on to become the head of the CIA. But at the time, head of the CIA, Alan Welsh Dooley's, 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 um, I think. Dooley's. Alan Welsh Dooley's founded MKUltra on April 13th of 1953 officially, though obviously these operations had been happening um, likely uh, since the early to mid 40s it's also important to note like uh, duels is a piece of shit uh yeah. <laughs> like just generally outside of mk ultra he was involved in plenty of this just like cold war era like we were saying the cia was just going nuts so like mm-hmm. he oversaw the coup in iran he oversaw the coup in guatemala he was part of the bay of pigs invasion like what can the, i the say dude, he's a coup guy he's a what he's a coup guy he's a coup guy you know he's a coup guy <laughs> he like he likes coups yeah know? i'm gonna do a thing really quick Uh-oh. i'm gonna google uh duel's pronunciation <laughs> why i've been really it. fucking it up and if we didn't fuck it up i'll edit this out but if we fucked it up i'm keeping this in <laughs> to keep us humble right right right, right of course pronounce names.com come Dulles. on dullus 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 <laughs> Well, that's a dumb name. Don't trust us. Ugh. So MK Ultra uh, was it was it was like formed out of the CIA's technical services, and like I remember like one documentary I watched just described it as basically the backwater of the CIA. Like it really mm-hmm. was nothing in a sense, and I, yeah. I think that's kind of why it was able to get away with as much as it did. Well, um, the other thing is MK Ultra is not just mind control uh, mk ultra was an umbrella project and there are about 148 potentially about 148 sub projects that were a part of it or sorry 149 sub projects 
lots of them were related. Most of them were related to mind control or, you know, behavior modification and drugs, but not all of them were. But yeah, yeah, those are the ones that get the limelight, obviously. Just like this is where you do the bad stuff. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's this. This is just, you know, it's fun, fun, fun. So, so yeah, so MK Ultra gets its name from MK is the digraph for technical services, and Ultra was the most secret classification during World War II. So it's like the top secret technical services. And hey, there you go. There and is. so the head of this project was a, a character named Sidney Gottlieb, and he shit. was <laughs> also a piece of shit known as the Black <laughs> Sorcerer of the CIA. Wait, is that true? Yes. His nickname oh was... You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Dude. That's fucked up. He's got like the most <laughs> badass nickname for being a piece of shit. But <clears throat> yeah, so let me... Uh, yeah, fill me in, dude. <laughs> yeah, so they called him the Black Sorcerer, uh, supposedly because of his immorality. But he was like, you know, he's like a comic book villain almost. So it's like if... If Q was a James Bond villain instead of James Bond, James Bond's sidekick or whatever, because like he would develop. Apparently, he made things like stink bombs and these swizzle sticks laced with drugs, exploding she- seashells, poison toothpaste, and all of that. Um, and he was the the head of poisons at the CIA. So he did the po- he was the poison guy, the black sorcerer who did yeah. all these random super villain inventions and then and also happened loves the poison guy yeah he's the poison guy <laughs> just like Dooley's was a was a coup guy he's a poison guy and so you know the cia is full of guys right <laughs> just guys being guys doing things with drugs so you got that and then you got the less notable robert lashbrook who is the deputy <laughs> to gottlieb uh he doesn't have a cool nickname to my knowledge yeah Honestly, I you know, I just I'm only including his name so that we don't get anybody off the hook for doing MK Ultra, but on the whole, I don't right. really know what he did aside from Because we're the ones there. keeping them accountable. <laughs> yeah. That's the Robert important Robert Lashbrook thing here. is fucking canceled, let me tell you. Yeah. Somebody yeah. contact his place of work. <laughs> they should know. They should know these things. <laughs> so we got MK Ultra and they're trying to do some some mind control. Yeah. But but they're like we got we to gotta follow the Nuremberg Codes, right? We, we can't just, like, go off the deep end. I promise that conversation never happened, but go ahead. I, I, I think, well, it seems like early on they were trying their best to stay within, like, the law, and it seems like it's, like, well, a year later that they lose it. I don't... Be- oh, a well, year later? Okay. I guess early on is still... A year later is still early first, on. Because the first year, what they do is they're paying college students to receive the drug tests and they're uh, offering incarcerated drug addicts the drug mm-hmm. of their choice if they do an experiment. But, like, over time, that research data is just insufficient because the patients know they're being drugged, so it's got a placebo effect. You just, you don't have the real science. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, they were still doing batshit stuff. Like, they yeah. they gave a prisoner a hundred days straight dosage of LSD. They were still doing insane stuff, but it was all technically, like, ethical. Yeah, it's and all they, fine. They, <laughs> they continue to push the line of technically ethical for about a year. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what happens is um like they get sick of this pretty quick so mm-hmm. they're like oh shit we gotta we, we gotta still not break the nuremberg codes uh so what we're gonna do 
is everybody in the offices will <laughs> consent to being drugged, like at su- like just consent ahead of time, and they will not know when they're getting drugged. So what this turned into <laughs> was just this free for all. Where everybody in the office was slipping LSD tabs into each other's, like, drinks. <laughs> and, uh, like... a story that I'm not sure is true, but apparently, uh, there, there was, there was talk of, of spiking the, the punch at the CIA Christmas party with LSD, but that got shot down. <laughs> Though, Josiah, um... I do have I do have something that I think will potentially pokes a hole in in the fact that they cared at any point. What's um, that? Because Jolly West, who we'll talk talk about in a bit, was contracted or his communications with the CIA began in June on June eleventh, nineteen fifty three, two months after MK okay. started. I, I, I'm not going to say they're necessarily doing it, but I will say they are pushing the line slowly over the course of that first year in 53. Yeah. That, that much, I, I'm going to stick by that. I'm not going to say they really... When I say they're choosing to follow the Nuremberg Code, I think I'm talking about doing that begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're necessarily like, oh, so so worried about you know ethical violations. They're just like, I don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. That that's how I see it, and maybe that's incorrect. But anyway, the point is, no matter what, whether or not they were ethical between the course of April and September of '53, is kind of a moot point because right. no matter what, <laughs> frankly, September it doesn't f- matter because September fourth, nineteen fifty-three, uh, surprise, the whole drugging your coworkers thing uh, <laughs> leads to some deadly results. Because yeah, Frank th- Olson, who I believe received like 10 days straight of acid without knowing what was happening, mm-hmm. uh, commits suicide. So he jumps yes. out of the 10-story window of the office and shit, the CIA is aware that their agent or whatever, their employee just died. Uh, so they give Gottlieb and Lashbrook a nice slap on the wrist and say, don't you do that again. You and your war crimes. <laughs> Gottlieb and Lashbrook, uh, their takeaway from that was like, okay, so we can't experiment on employees. Well, time to break the Nuremberg Code. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So from that point on, things get nuts. 1953 was like the the only year that you could argue MKUltra was trying to be ethical. I think they still were not doing a great job at that, but they might have been trying. It goes off the deep end from here. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh this is when things get exciting. So, you know, shortly thereafter, we bring in our our old buddy George Hunter White, who who uh who we quoted at the beginning to initiate Operation Midnight Climax. And the purpose of Midnight Climax was to determine whether or not when given both LSD and sex, you can extract secrets from a man. And their chosen way of doing this was setting up a safe house in San Francisco. They built a two-way mirror, and basically George would hang out behind the two-way mirror, and he actually purchased, he had them bring in a mini fridge and a toilet so he could just chill all day watching. Um, And then they would hire prostitutes to bring men in they would dose him with LSD and then run freaky exper- experiments on him. 
And yep. that's Operation Midnight Climax. And to my knowledge, uh, film it so that if they try to say, like, hey, some crazy shit happened to me, they would have documentation of, like, hey, you slept with a prostitute. So, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we Classic don't bring that up. Classic Catch-22. So a lot of blackmail going around at this mm-hmm. time. Um, also, just to throw out there, they're also still giving LSD to college students at this time. Which is, uh, I guess, a quick detour we could do, um, which isn't in the notes, but we need to probably bring up, is Mm -hmm. there's a pretty strong theory that a lot of the 60s drug culture happened because of MKUltra. Because they're drugging the shit out of these college students, and then they start kind of home-cooking their own versions of it. Well, and more than that, that one guy from The Grateful Dead, whose name I'm I'm blanking on, claims to have been an MKUltra participant. Yeah. And that they experimented on him, and that's how he got his connection to LSD. And obviously, he was very influential in people doing drugs in the '60s and '70s. Yeah. So, and and I'm also I'm also pretty sure there's a I, I, this is this is speculative, but t- uh, Tim Leary, yeah, um, who's the guy who is like the, like the radical psychologist who was trying to advocate for using psychedelic drugs. Um, who then was kind of rejected by the psychological community, but accepted by uh, people that annoy me in my dorm room. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he was supposedly at a either a, a subject of MKUltra or influenced by people who were. So lots of drugs happening, and and I believe that it was that Gottlieb contracted a pharmaceutical company out of Indiana. I want to say to mimic the Swedish LSD recipe um, and mm. thus get a, a near limitless supply of LSD for the federal government. So as we mentioned, around this time, we end up with, to our knowledge, that that's, okay, I'll, let me throw this in before I say that. We are always going to continue saying, to our knowledge. And we'll get into a little bit later why that's the case, but there is so much we don't know. But to yes. our knowledge... There were about 149 subprojects of MK Ultra that dealt with various chemicals, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, verbal and sexual abuse, and just various forms of torture. Mm-hmm. MK Ultra grew out over the next few years, fast, chaotically, dangerously. Um, they were known to somehow get clearance at mental hospitals. Well, and- not even just somehow get clearance with. Uh, at mental hospitals but what they would do is they would basically form shell corporations fronts essentially and piggyback onto ongoing studies so often there 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 were people who and i don't know if this is necessarily true but would would be experimenters experimenting or researchers experimenting on behalf of the cia for project mk ultra but not actually being aware that that's right who was funding their their research um basically there there were just there were just cases where like patients with like schizophrenia were just being given lsd without mm -hmm. the doctors even being aware of it Mm -hmm. like it they they were breaking into medical facilities either through shell corporations or who knows various things When, when we talk about jolly west we'll we'll get a bit more into that as well I think we could kind of dive into that stuff now. Unless Sweet. is there anything you want to say about this before we move on to the two mad scientists, essentially? No, let's do it. Let's go. Okay, so there were they were giving LSD to patients without doctors knowing. 
but they were also funding uh, doctors and funding um, uh, psychologists who were experimenting with radical techniques. And so there are two examples of that we're going to talk about, but there is probably numerous. It's it's hard to know. So there's a guy named Donald Ewan Cameron. Uh, he was up in Montreal. And he was experimenting with what he called depatterning. So depatterning supposedly cured cases of like schizophrenia or other extreme mental illnesses. So it was a three-step process. Step one, uh, you give them either a shit ton of LSD or you electroshock them to the point that their brain is mush. Step two, you play a tape recorder on loop for a while after they've gone through that process. And then step three... Uh, you knock them out with some sedatives for a few weeks and hope they sleep it off. Science is cool, first <laughs> off. So he did a lot of shit. A massive lawsuit shows up about him later. We're going to get into him. Put Cameron, Dr. Cameron, in the back of your head, depatterning electroshock guy, because we're going to talk about one specific case uh, that he dealt with that ended up leading to some of the MK Ultra files coming out. Yes. So Jolly West. And we got Jolly West. Dr. Lewis Jollyan West, or uh, affectionately known as Jolly West by his oh, Jolly. by his compatriots. So Jolly West, I do not see much about him in in many of the uh, like traditional resources for MK Ultra. So like the Wikipedia page, uh, some of the other articles. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't come up that often, but he was pretty extensively talked about in Tom O'Neill's book, Chaos. Which shout out to uh, Josh Christensen from the Manson episode for um, turning us on to Tom O'Neill. Technically, my mom was trying to get me to read it first, but also that. Oh. <laughs> 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 but he... He uncovered, and he he has this in his book. He uncovered some some very interesting things about good old Jolly West. Jolly West was a psychologist, um, and he worked for most of his career at UCLA. And his claim to fame is that after the Korean War, he worked with those captured U.S. pilots who had, you know, who had confessed to war crimes involving chemical uh, germ warfare. And he he was one of the scientists or psychiatrists that uh, deprogrammed them, basically from the brainwashing, he fixed them, is what he claimed. And that got him in good with the intelligence community and made his connection to the CIA. So he worked directly with Sidney Gottlieb to, to basically run experiments for MKUltra. So in 1956, Jolly West published a paper titled The Psychophysiological Studies of Hypnosis and Suggestibility. In this, he claimed that he had achieved the impossible and that he knew how to replace true memories with false ones in human beings without their knowledge. Uh, Without detailing any specific incidents, he said it has been found to be feasible to take the memory of a definite event in the life of an individual and through hypnotic suggestion bring about the subsequent conscious recall to that effect or to the effect that this event never actually took place but that a different 
fictional event actually did occur. And that is kind of the goal of MKUltra. Did they do this through lucid dreaming, entering the subject's dreams, uh, and going several layers deep into their dream? Uh, and shooting a lot of silence. This I'm trying to. This is yeah, Inception. and his this is a uh, lot of <laughs> his pseudonym was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, so that's where that connects. But there's an event that happened around this, and interestingly enough, this this event coincided with West becoming adamantly anti death penalty. And what happened on the night of July fourth, nineteen fifty four? Um, a three-year-old girl was raped and murdered. And the man accused of this crime, Jimmy Shaver, had no memory of the incident. He had no criminal record and nothing indicating that he was capable of something like this. Uh, the girl disappeared around midnight outside of the Air Force Base where Jimmy was stationed. Um, once she had been noticed missing, a search party went out, and within an hour, the they came upon a man wandering out of the darkness. He was shirtless, covered in blood and scratches. Bystander des- described him as dazed and in a trance-like state. He, you know, doctors would later determine that he was not drunk at the time. He didn't know who he was, how he'd gotten there, or whose blood was all over him. I won't get into the gory te- details. I mean, yeah, I, you, yeah. you can infer what happened. I, I'm, yeah, I'm already going to have to throw a content warning, I think, at the beginning of this it, episode. I yeah, don't, I, I mean, it's, get into the, it's pretty bad. It's a pretty grisly story. Like it's, But if he was indeed hypnotized or something like that to do this act, then it's a very significant one. Because if that's the kind of power that they have, that they can take a a seemingly normal, well-adjusted person to do such a horrible act, that's kind of significant. So a couple interesting things happened after he was booked. The first being that when he was taken into custody, uh, an officer from another precinct came in to, um, to collect him. And then the other weird thing is that West actually reached out like immediately to become the the psychiatrist for this case. Like West West was the one who reached out to do this. And so West basically spent two weeks with Shaver trying to jog his memory and determine what happened and determine if, you know, he was crazy. And what he did is he hypnotized him, injected him with a quote unquote truth serum and asked him a ton of leading questions to determine if he remembered the incident. And basically what what Shaver ended up saying is that he confessed to the crime that that it brought out repressed memories of his cousin who'd sexually abused him as a child and that he had had visions of God who whispered into his ear to seek out and kill the evil girl. You know, despite that, he would still go on to maintain his innocence. But it's around this time that West became, you know, a fierce advocate of abolishing the death penalty and the speculation is that this was kind of his fault that this was an experiment gone wrong and further evidence for that is shaver had suffered from severe migraines and had undergone experimental treatment to to cure it that in itself not super weird but going back and trying to get evidence of this he was not in any of the records because the records the you know the patient records 
for any last names between S-A and S-T in 1954 had vanished. And so there's just a lot of, of very fishy things that happened here. It's also very interesting and I feel important to note that Jolly West was the psychiatrist for Jack Ruby following uh, the death of or following Oswald. Just something for you to think on there. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the Jolly West is a, a very underappreciated chunk of the MK Ultra story. Yeah, and and a, potentially a very damning one because he was just one of many scientists, right? That's the thing. Because at this point, we're moving on from. I, you could almost see the the episode we're doing is like having a three act structure, right? Almost like our Trello board. Yeah, according to the Trello board that I have notes that I have in front of me, it's a three act structure. <laughs> we've got we've got the pre MK Ultra kind of shit that's going on, the Manchurian Candidate, all that. Um, you got Bluebird Project, Bluebird Project, uh, yeah, Artichoke. Um, then you've got like the actual era of mk ultra the stuff we we know or can reasonably speculate about mm-hmm. um and that ends right about now because in 1964 the cia replaced mk ultra with mk search um and continued some of the same research they just renamed it um but then the files disappear in either 1971 1972 depending on the source i've seen it kind of conflicting but basically our knowledge of this stuff ends in the mid-70s, which you could say, like, what a lot of people will say is this ended. They stopped doing it in the 1970s. But I just don't realistically believe that. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, well, from the from the Church Commission files, they, they, I believe, substantiate that the CIA did destroy the files, that Richard Helms ordered everything yes. uh, from mk ultra be destroyed um in in 1973 1972 and that is that's the moment we switch to the third act here which is revelation um this is the the declassification the the all this shit coming to the public because that's Mm -hmm. kind of i think the the missing chunk of when you talk about this stuff people just want to talk about what happened but not how we know what happened and what's yes. interesting about the how we know what happened chunk is it also points us to the fact that we don't actually know that much. Mm-hmm. That the troubling reality is we are dealing with the tip of the iceberg. So yes. we know for everything a fact we 19- know, we learned by accident. Exactly. Because, okay, so, so in 1973, Richard Helms destroys a bunch of the MKUltra documents, to his knowledge, all of them. Yes. The ni- in 1974, the New York Times reports of CID- CIA has been doing some experiments on citizens. This is the tip of the iceberg. They're just like, hey, I think the CIA is doing shit. So in 75, the Rockefeller Commission begins and Gerald Ford begins to investigate the CIA. But generally, the results of the commission don't really come out. They're not really declassified. But in 1975, someone from the Rockefeller Commission uh, leaks to the New York Times. And they publish what happened to Frank Olson, the guy who jumped out of the 10th story window. So now we know, like, okay, the CIA was doing some shit. And it took until 1977 before we really understood kind of what was going on. And that was because of investigator John Marks, who decided to file a Freedom of Information Act request and just found a ton of financial records. Yes, and for um, context too, yeah. John Marks is the author of The Search for the Manchurian Candidate, which is the the OG book on MKUltra. And basically, to my knowledge, the reason supposedly that 
all these uh, all these documents were able to be were, weren't destroyed by Richard Helms as they were just put in the wrong box. Yeah. So the understanding is that it was kind of a filing error. So the the financial department would not have handled any of the the documents for MK Ultra, and so the the story again and again and again is we really don't know why they were there. And we assume it was just an accident. The kind of the rough part is these are just financial records. Uh, there were a few project briefs in there or fr- project proposals, but uh, most of the story had to be strung together by by following the money and not actually getting um, any details into what most of the projects entailed, which, like you said, is kind of the really scary part. So after John Mark says that, like, Freedom of Information Act requests, and they find all the financial records, uh, there's a bit of a public panic about it, although, like, mm-hmm. considerably small um, compared to what you would expect. Um, yeah. But because of that, the Senate kind of goes, oh, shit, we have to say something about this. So there is a Senate hearing about MK MKUltra. Um, yeah, and I believe you perused some of the some of that Senate hearing before we started recording. Was there anything of note? Yeah, I mean, so I read, uh, you know, by perused, I read the first twenty or so pages out of a, about a hundred and eighty page report, um, <clears throat> and it was basically going over uh, a lot of the scope of the project itself. So talking about how it was an umbrella project that covered 149 smaller projects that were then grouped into 15 different subcategories. Uh, It talked about how the papers were found, which was kind of an interesting story just by an incredibly thorough uh, government employee who who worked very hard to to fill freedom of information uh, requests, which is you know comforting, I guess, in some ways. <laughs> yeah. But um, and going through how, yeah, we really don't know how it could have been mislabeled, and very uh, very pointedly saying that we don't know much about the program for two reasons: one, because the documents were destroyed, and two that everybody involved is very forgetful <laughs> and and forgetful is the word that they use. So, Oh, that's not, I thought you were being sarcastic. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so <laughs> it's also interestingly, very apologetic for the scientists involved. So it, it talks or specifies kind of at, at great length, how many of the scientists and researchers involved may not have known that they were actually a part of MK Ultra and this and that, and that they should not be named or necessarily taken to task for what happened, uh, which... Look, they were just is, following orders. <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit suspect. Yeah, more stuff comes to the light slowly. Um, Part of that is just there's been a slow declassification process kind of going on where more documents are just kind of being let out into the public. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also uh, there is a lawsuit that occurs. um, And basically what this was, was uh, a group of people decided to uh, sue Dr. Cameron, the deep patterning guy. Uh, one of the people that went public is Linda McDonald, who she saw this lawsuit happening and went, oh shit, that's what happened to me. 
So she was mm-hmm. she was a patient of Dr. Cameron's who w- underwent depatterning. Uh, she had a bunch of mental issues. She was diagnosed with like postpartum depression, but that didn't seem right. And so she came to Dr. Cameron, who diagnosed her with schizophrenia, and went, "Okay, let's do my cool scientific experimental technique. Um, let's so play he, with drugs." Yeah, yeah. So he uh, electroshocked her until her brain was was jello. Did the recording messages, knocked her out for several weeks. And surprise, surprise, when she was brought back to lucidity, she had the the brain state of a baby. She was 26 years old. Yikes. And as she says in interviews, she has no memory of anything that happened before the before she came back from after that experiment. Uh, she hmm. refers to anything that happened before age 26 as the other life. She's a, just a completely different person. So she joined in on that lawsuit and it was it was a handful of people. I don't remember the exact number, but several people were suing Cameron uh, for good reason. Linda McDonald received compensation as well as, I believe, uh, Velma Orlico, who is a, um, a wife of a Canadian member of Parliament. So uh, that was a bad so call. On everyone was uh, everyone was at risk. But yeah, there's been a slow kind of declassification. There was a there was a declassification dump in 1994, where basically they were like, yeah, between 1940 and 1974, the DOD and other national security agencies studied thousands of human subjects in tests and experiments involving hazardous substances. So they admitted to it. Um, yep. And then I believe there was a, a declassification in 2001. And then most notably to us, there was a declassification in 2018, which is like within our uh, more lucid lifetime. I mean, we were mm-hmm. alive for 2001, but not really. And, and I remember everybody was so pumped for all the JFK stuff that would come out with that. And then it was just kind of a letdown. Yeah. And then you and I were like, oh, yeah, the MK Ultra files. Notably as well, uh, Chaos came out in 2019, which... Mm. Um, yeah, which which brings to light some more things because Tom O'Neill did, had a lot of things that uh, were not part of the the public record published yeah. in his book, which was pretty fascinating. But that kind of that's that's the spiel. That's the that is MK Ultra un- unsatisfying that, ending to M- MK Ultra. Yeah, because there there is really no ending. It just kind of petered out in the. 60s to 70s at least from the public eye and that that begs the question do you think that they are continuing or that they continued mk ultra or or a similar project beyond the 70s and potentially up until this day um yeah <laughs> like i don't know yeah. uh, i i'm saying yeah based off of the uh based off of similar project when you say that because there's no yeah. way of knowing yeah. for sure that they're still obsessed with LSD. I would imagine they've moved on. Um, sure. Well, but... and I believe that West himself stated that LSD was not effective in hypnosis. Yeah, I think LSD is just the result of the fact that most of the info we have about them is from like the 60s. And that was just like, that was a time when LSD was this new thing that was being experimented on. But like, who knows what they're fucking with now? Maybe it's DMT, maybe it's whatever. But I I do believe there's probably stuff going on to this day. And I think that's kind of why this is an important subject for us to, like, address on the podcast, because Mm -hmm. uh, this this podcast isn't about conspiracy theories inherently, but that's a topic we talk a lot about. Mm -hmm. And it seems like we come up to this theme a lot of kind of like what I would say is like the epistemology of conspiracy theories. Yeah. We don't want to be conspiracy theory people. 
who just buy into everything that you see on the internet with you know, very little evidence. On the other hand, I think the the impulse to just discredit every sort of conspiracy is also equally misguided. And I think it's equally misguided because of MKUltra. Because whenever I have talked about MKUltra incessantly as a, at a party while people are getting bored of me, uh, <laughs> they tend to think that, oh, that's that's not real. That didn't happen. But but it, 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 but it like did. literally did. It we we is have real. The, the documents. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it is is at this point. I mean, there there is a history dot com <laughs> like article about <laughs> the it. ultimate you know I mean? source of truth, which is the truth. No, but like it's it's no, they admitted to it. Right. Yeah, like it's, it's it's been admitted to. It's a thing that happened. But yeah. the the impulse to say conspiracy, like the anti-conspiracy theory impulse or epistemology, I, I demonstrably see that it, it ignores things that have actually happened. Not to just say the answer is in the middle, but in a way that's what we are like whenever we're talking about conspiracy theories. That's what we're trying to play with is how do I maintain being a reasonable person while also understanding that like we are in a post MK ultra world. We know for right. a fact shit like this happens. And I would even say farther, which, you know, we, we haven't talked about much on the show, but we're in a post Epstein world. Post you know Epstein, I mean? like, post Snowden, post Snowden. Like we know this shit's happened. Yeah. No, there, there's no hiding it that there, that there is something going on, that there are things going, going on mm-hmm. behind the scenes. That doesn't mean that everything is going on behind the scenes, but yeah, but yeah, there there are things that are being done, you know, in, in many cases to us that that we are not necessarily aware of. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I stick by a rule of thumb that we established in Roswell, but MK Ultra is still the challenge to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the Roswell episode, that conspiracy theories are generally tr- are often true, but they're less interesting or less sexy than the conspiracy theory will let you believe they're they're often banal mm-hmm. they're often whatever um yeah. so but MK, there is but M- be, mk ultra seems to be a counter seems to counter that because everything about mk ultra is so much crazier than you would think yes. like even when you say mind control it's like oh okay so you know what was it hypnot no they they were just like pumping people full of drugs to see what happened there was one story of a researcher and a would would take patients and they just do like it was like barbiturates in one arm and um amphetamines in the other or something just to see what would happen yeah and it was just like and many of the people involved in it weren't even scientists they're just making shit happen and watching which it's just so much crazier but and and there's one thing about mk ultra that that differentiates it from epstein and snowden and all that in that nobody was arrested nobody was nobody faced any consequences for mk ultra the majority of names that we have brought up here are dead right now because of old age yes <laughs> you know what i mean that they they passed away peacefully in their own homes <laughs> like outside of prison yeah yeah no like it didn't even get to the point of any miscarriage of justice because none of them were even put on trial there was there was nothing they just got away with it yeah so i i think that i don't think you you we should like answer this and say what what do you believe about the the government or what do you what should your politics be but i think mk ultra should be this just gaping abyss that you have to look into every once in a while to realize, mm-hmm. like, this is a confirmed thing that we have dealt with before. 
And if this happens, there we have no clue what is happening. Yes. We, we like, and I'm trying to find a way to say this so that I don't just sound like a fucking Alex Jones <laughs> figure, or you know what I mean? Because it's so hard to talk about this stuff, right? But there's no it. way to know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and like, there's, yeah, like a, a very deeply ingrained culture of secrecy around, you know, it, for many cases for good reason, but it also allows for things like this to happen. We're, we're working on, we, we're slowly developing several ideas with this podcast, uh, I think. Not that they're even really important, but just out of Jared and I's own interest, we're developing them. And mm-hmm. when it comes back to continuing back to the conspiracy theory podcast or conspiracy theory episodes, it seems like we're trying to grapple with how to be a reasonable person, but deal with the fact that conspiracies have confirmably like happened before. Yeah. I mean, how can you be a conspiracy theorist without being a conspiracy theorist? Yeah. Or and, at least you know, how can you give them the the correct amount of thought, weight, credibility yeah, because I mean, there are some things like Flat Earth that is hilarious and dumb. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, there are other things on the far end of the opposite extreme, MK Ultra. I'm trying to think of something like a good one in the middle that uh, like sounds deep crazy. State. But deep, deep state. Yeah, I'd deep say it's a good fair. middle ground. Right. The lizard people, mm-hmm. uh, Hillary Clinton being a Satanist and killing yeah. babies, adrenochrome. Yes. Yeah, all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, all of that. Uh, vaccines. No, I'm not even going to say that as a joke. I'm not even going to say that as a joke. <laughs> Why? Because you're afraid? No, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doubling down on this. Vaccines. <laughs> vaccines, I do. I double down. Not not because vaccines inherently are. Mm-hmm. are I, I don't think vaccines cause autism or anything. I no. think a distrust of the medical profession is not inherently wrongheaded. And I agree. I, I, you know, and anybody who has had a college degree and had to read some Foucault is aware of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or fuck, for, for fuck's sake, like uh, the, the history of gynecology and the, mm-hmm. the racist things that were uh, done to develop a lot of uh, a lot of our modern day gynecology is mm-hmm. horrific. If you tap into medical history, it is one of the most horrific forms of history you can study. So no... Yes. Vaccines is a good middle ground because the details are wrong, but the idea there, a distrust of, of medicine, I don't think is inherently wrongheaded. And that gets back to the, the theme of the podcast is we don't trust institutions. <laughs> it literally says that in the Trello board that we made about the podcast. Our in vision our, board. Our Trello vision board says, uh, yes, you know, Distrust of institutions. Uh, you know, I'm not going to read the Trello board. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, I thought about doing it. We've touched on a few things on it already. That's the, It's the theme of the podcast. I know. This is the lo-fi This American Life. <laughs> <laughs> very legal, very cool. Well, okay. So, I mean, maybe I will just say is. this because it's just you and me and it'll, you know, we'll have guests. Yeah, it's just you, me. Episodes. No but one's like, listening. Well, a lot of people are listening, actually. But well, a lot of people. 
if they were all in a room, it would feel like a lot of people. <laughs> That's true. That is actually true. It, it's not a lot of people relative to podcasts, but relative to just like in a room. If we had an audience, there would be enough to have like, you know, some laughs and some claps and all that. You know, it wouldn't feel like. Oh. Yeah, like if, if we had an audience, they wouldn't all really fit in the room where I'm recording. I guess. So like we, we had a call a few days ago where we were just kind of deciding like, okay, we, we're hitting episode 10. Like, what are we doing here? I guess, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we didn't think we'd get this far. And I, I don't know, like we were trying to get onto like what the kind of general themes that we can agree on, because Jared and I don't agree on a lot, of, like everything politically or everything. Yeah. You know, we, we are different people. Uh, shocker. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> but I think generally, no matter what, we both we both land on a general distrust of institutions. Mm-hmm. And we generally have this interest of how to uh, epistemically ap- approach conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I, this thing we have written here that I, I'm thinking a lot about, too, that I might just cut this because I don't know how to put this. But, like, mm-hmm. we, we seem to be wanting to balance this line between having just kind of our general dickish, mean-spirited sense of humor while also, like, having empathy and passion you know, at the same time, like, right. care- caring. We're not, like, nihilistically distant. And so, like, yeah, we're joking a bit about MK Ultra, but also MK Ultra is a tragic, fucked up thing that happened. Yeah, like, I mean, we're, no, we're no not doubts devoid about of empathy. That. Yes, we, we have yeah, and empathy. And the purpose of the podcast isn't just to have, like, shock humor and, you know, the gotcha moments of, of this and that where we just mock our guests and, um, and try and create some sort of irony po- poisoned bastion of the internet. But rather, we want to, we, we really, at the end of the day, do want to facilitate some sort of uh, discourse around conspiracy theories and weird what shit we shapes find them online, yeah and generally. weird shit we find on the internet and the, this is a, a massive massive um step away from our very well-established brand at this point you know a, a moment of of genuine um yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe just like, okay, this is a meat and potatoes episode. I do have a bunch of Twitter news things that we could maybe do, but I mm-hmm. think it's more important that we be a little genuine as this is our 10th episode and we're kind of moving forward now. I, yeah, I think it's yeah, good. Let's... I think it's fine. Right. Yeah. Well, so like, I mean, one of the things we talked about too um, is kind of like our relationship with the left as a conspiracy or as a mm-hmm. uh, as a podcast um yeah i was about to say as a conspiracy theory podcast <laughs> the left I, as a conspiracy I'm, I'm trying so hard not to be a conspiracy theory <laughs> podcast so that i just say that right see i i don't mind being a conspiracy theory but podcast because See, everything that we do always ties back to it even like the okay. neopets stuff and mr hands and that like it, it all connects one way or another and i, uh, I just don't want to i just don't want to limit us no I guess, is the thing sure but sure. I, I would say at the very least conspiracy theories is at the heart of how we look at the world yes um <laughs> i don't know what but, that but, says about how we look at the world yeah <laughs> probably not a great thing but well, but, but yeah I mean, but, like josh kind of talked about that on the manson episode Mm-hmm. That like a mild amount of conspiracy theorism is not a bad thing. It's yes. it's when you're married to the details. 
I, I right. remember him phrasing it that way. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or just talking in person, but that, that was, I really liked that. Don't be married to the details. You know, don't be obsessed with if they're literally lizard people. But right. the, the concept of uh, rich elites are pulling the strings is a very not not a bad thing to believe, I would right. say. Right. Like, it's historically justifiable. Yes. But no, so this is, the, we're trying to iron out the, the relationship this podcast has with the left. Um, and for like me, I could just be like, yeah, this is a leftist podcast. Um, right. Part of that is I'm just like immersed in the Twitter left in like a way that like, I, I, I wouldn't want to push on my, my poor co-host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like what we had written as a theme kind of compromise, I think is a good way of looking at this forward. The, mm-hmm. the left, the leftism that we see in this, you'll see in this podcast is a product of our beliefs, but the podcast is not a leftist podcast per se. Right. Um, and so that, that means like we might have guests on who do not identify as leftists. Yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing that might happen or, you know, like there's not necessarily this, like we're not both necessarily radical Marxists or anything like that. Right. I lean that direction, but I understand that not all of our <laughs> listeners lean that direction and I'm okay. Like I'm okay with that. We're, we're trying to be a semi broad appeal kind of. Exactly. And as a far right conservative, I am just here to broaden your horizons. <laughs> I'm not a far right conservative. No, just know. to be just to be very clear, I, I would say you're on the left, but you're yeah. not like in the same part of the left that I am. Right. I'm uh I'm probably a little bit south. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. You're a little more. I don't know. I maybe we a both little southeast. A, I the reason I <laughs> the reason I wrote distrust of in, like I think distrust of institutions is a good theme for us is because yeah. um uh we both have a libertarian streak, but mm-hmm. um and we're both kind of on the left, but varying right. degrees of that i, I, don't so I would know. say I i'm think... probably quite a bit more libertarian than you are yeah i i would think at least yeah i think so you know what we should do hmm. we should do uh uh political compass tests or something like that on the show sometime we should we should just see what happens yeah next episode we'll make yeah. it happen but yeah, yeah basically uh, this podcast doesn't trust institutions uh we're we want to we have an irony poison sense of humor but we don't want to lose our humanity in that and we're we're as hosts vaguely on the left but that doesn't necessarily mean our guests will be on the left plus that might create cool discourse if we had a conservative that i i argue with i don't know yeah <laughs> i mean and that's the hope to have you know we we don't want to uh we don't want to create an echo chamber or further the internet echo chambers so no we also no. don't want to give a platform to hate that's yeah that's, that's and that's the, the line. line right yeah um, that's you know that but there are you know th- this idea that there is one very very narrow of, band of people who are right is not correct and so i think that there's a lot of latitude for for bringing people in who, who we disagree with um that that may swing further right who may swing to a different extreme or even sit comfortably in the middle who are not who don't necessarily harbor hateful beliefs but um just land elsewhere and you know i i think like politics is both a major theme in the podcast but also uh mm-hmm. it's not really the basis of the podcast the basis is uh 
just like bizarre stories or things that we find that we find interesting. Right. But um, I mean, po- politics comes out a lot just because I think we both have pretty strong political beliefs. Right. You you so, you more so, um, or at least <clears throat> more politically involved than I am. I, I think this was good to put in here. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Do we, do we want to move on to some end segments? Yeah. So Josiah, why don't... <coughs> Josiah. Why don't you tell us about Orangiana? <laughs> and I'd like I I want I want you to paint a word picture about I think Orangiana. Before we do that, we gotta. I'm surprised you did not take advantage of the sound. There we go. I was gonna use it as soon as you started talking about Orangiana, but this will have to work. That was easy. Okay, so Orangina, it's French, bro. (laughs) I can't hear you over the sound of our intro music. This this, this is supposed to be the Twitter news segment. Uh... Twitter news. It's the news from Twitter. Okay, so I actually have a bunch of Twitter news here, which we can move through pretty quick. But uh, first off, uh, also, you know, the the typical disclaimer, we're backlogging right now. This is all outdated by the time this comes out. Jared actually volunteered and sent me something. For the first time, Jared has participated in Twitter news. (laughs) The French French juice company, Orangina, or it's kind of a soda. It's really good. I, I used to, I drank it a bunch when I was in Paris. I uh, had a very Tell bizarre... Tell us more about how you've been to Paris. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very bizarre <laughs> ad campaign that I, I'm having a hard time making sense of. Um, so, but try for us. Okay, so we've got the first ad here. It, it's a very, very buff, anthropomorphic bear <laughs> with a woman sitting on his lap, kind of hornily, sipping an orangina. <laughs> And then the next one is a very sexual goat in short shorts and a crop top with cleavage shoving her breasts into the face of a redheaded man drinking an orangina. And the other two are very similar. I, I don't know if I have to. They're all very in. erotic. <laughs> I Incredible, but I would like you to describe that them. Apparently, some intern at orangina is um, a furry. To be clear, this. This requires much more work than an intern, I think, would be able to. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a systemic problem. <laughs> uh, this is this is much more. You know these these are all like pretty lifelike. Um, you know, well, we might need to add like a link in the show notes. Just I, I might have to because like you know they've got they've got models in here with like po like very unique posing and all that. I, I'm telling you. This is uh, disturbing, but there's a budget. Oh my god, they've got they've got more. If you look in the comments, there's a there's like a pinup oh. cactus. Oh my god, a pinup cactus? Yeah. I. Oh mean, wow, they've got they've got a lot. Oh, of these. there's a squid in a bikini. Naturally juicy. There is a what appears to be a very sexy jellyfish. Oh my god. There's an animated one. 
<laughs> oh, there's a bear with a six pack and a fig leaf over his wiener and he's licking his lips. Wait. No way. Paris 2010. There's a man sitting on the lap of what appears to be some sort of cougar, but not like an older woman. Oh, God. This is terrible. There's a giraffe with a sweater that's just kind of falling off. I don't want to do any more Twitter news. This, you know what? This is it. No, oh my I God. One more. Josiah, before we get to that, they okay. have a fleet of cars that have these mascots like 10 feet tall <laughs> on top. Holy, I'm. Oh my I'm God. I need you where, to see where? this. Send this to me. Send I it. need you to see this because. No. Because I was kind of wondering if this was just some sort of weird Tumblr fan art. No, they oh, spent like million. They, no. they had to have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this, if not more. I love Orangina, and this is really messing with my image of it. Are you? You will. You'll never be able to drink it again without thinking I, of these things. I don't things. think so. God, no. Yeah. Um. I had some political ones, but I don't really want to do them. This kind of gonna... ruined it for you? Yeah, this ruined it for me. So I just want to give you another weird one in that relevant thing. Take a look at this uh, Kraft Mac and Cheese ad. Well, that's uncomfortable. Uh, Kraft Mac and Cheese on uh, August 6, 2020 says, uh, Isn't it about time that the most important meal of the day is also the tastiest? Have you tried having Kraft Mac and Cheese for breakfast? That's just like saying, you know, have you given up? <laughs> it is. I, I, I want Bud Light to be like, uh, is it about time that you enjoy our lovely beer while also cleaning yourself? Shower beer. <laughs> <laughs> but like at least but, a shower beer is a thing. I don't I've never heard of anybody going. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I want a bowl of mac and cheese with a well, glass of milk and two orange slices. Yeah, that's the weird thing in the ad. It's got a glass of milk and two. Because, like, the only times I've eaten mac and cheese in the breakfast, like craft mac and cheese in the bre- for breakfast, is, like, I-, I made it the previous night. I made too much. I'm really hungover. I, I feel like I'm at rock bottom. And I'm like, fine, I'm going to eat this cold mac and cheese. Like that that's the position you eat craft mac and cheese for breakfast. Right. It's not a celebratory event. <laughs> yeah, so there's an article on this talking about how apparently a lot of parents during the whole COVID thing are giving their kids mac and cheese for breakfast. No way. So like doubling down on that. 56% of parents have served their kids mac and cheese for breakfast more often during COVID-19 related state lockdowns than previous months. I can't what, imagine what mac do you and mean? cheese is, is easier than cereal. It, in fact, it seems much more difficult. You you have to boil water for mac and cheese. Maybe it's cheaper? Maybe, but I mean, I mean mac and cheese is cheap, but cheaper than cereal? Maybe milk. Milk milk is expensive, I guess. Wow. You made it depressing. Yeah. Well, that's kind of <laughs> my thing, right? This might be about poverty. Oh, great. No, it's definitely about poverty. I just thought it was like a depression meal. And we know depression's funny. That's true. Well, you well, know what? That, that That's Twitter news. I, I don't want to do anymore. We're also so, we've gone so over time. Twitter news. Yeah. 
da 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 we don't have a guest, so we're not going to do a Patreon ad, but I, I will say... But do subscribe um, to our Patreon. Please, because part of the Patreon is if you subscribe at the $10 tier, we'll make fun of you on the air. We'll go through your Twitter handle with a guest, usually, and just rip it to shreds. That sounds pretty mm-hmm. funny. That would have made some good content this episode if people had fucking subscribed. Yeah, if you'd have given us your fucking money, we would have been able to make funny uh, on the episode, and it would have been good for everyone. But no, no, yeah. And, you know, I'm maybe poor. you want to you get in on the groundwork, because maybe we'll start to be one of those podcasts that has bonus episodes and stuff. Right. You we might actually that. create Patreon content. It's possible. We've had a guest suggest that we just... You know, rip it with the un unedited episodes, and then you could listen to hours of us ramble on and talk about our mistakes, and then you know, say things that we don't want on air. Yeah, all the cancelable stuff that I edit out. Well, and just think, like, if we're willing to put out that Mister Hands episode, what are we not willing to put out? (laughs) (laughs) So subscribe to the Patreon. We have a couple tiers. It's cool. Uh, You can find it on our Twitter page. There's a link to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's do some plugs and get the fuck out of here. What do you think? All right, that sounds great. You got any plugs? Yeah, so I uh, I just bought a new pair of headphones. Um, they are the Koss Porta Pros. I I splurged a little bit and I got the uh, one of the, the limited editions in the uh, in Rhythm Beige and some of the Yanni um, orange pads for them for supreme comfort. But they are, the the Cost Porta Pro was originally designed and released in 1984. And they're one of like the, the more iconic um, 80s retro kind of headphones. And the design has survived to this day. The, the headphones are still in production. The design is virtually unchanged. It, it looks like something straight out of the straight out of the 80s because it is and i will say as um someone who i guess you know kind of collects headphones i don't know where where that line between i collect headphones and wow that guy has a lot of headphones is but (laughs) um (laughs) but i'm straddling it and um i will say they are incredibly well designed um as Mm. as a designer myself i i enjoy collecting things that are well designed if you are looking for a cheap and lightweight and very well-designed set of headphones, I highly recommend the Cost Porta Pro. You can pick them up for like 30 bucks. For those that care, the sound quality is not as incredibly good for the price. So <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of my my plug. Okay. Uh, I, got a, I got mine's pretty quick, too. Uh, I just want to plug Know Your Enemy, the podcast Know Your Enemy. We were, uh, we were talking about kind of like i guess popping echo chambers a little bit i'm not gonna say this is a perfect pop of the echo chamber because it is it is still two lefties but it is a podcast about the history of american conservatism as an intellectual movement uh one of the hosts is a former conservative most of the people listening to this have probably have already heard of this podcast but i'm still throwing it out there anyway um because i've been listening to it a lot lately and it's very good uh but what one of the hosts is a former former conservative who like left conservatism in the middle of his phd program so he was like Hmm. got far into it um but they they have also been commended by conservatives for being one of the most good faith accurate 
represent like representations of conservatism that any leftist has done. Uh, part of that hmm. just being because it's a former conservatism or former yeah. conservative. But yeah, I mean, if you want to, you want to kind of understand conservatives and be able to have conversations with conservatives better. It's a good podcast. I feel like I've had better conversations with, with like my dad <laughs> since listening to the <laughs> podcast because I've got a better grip on like William F. Buckley and a lot of those figures and uh, also why I disagree with them. So that's cool. <laughs> sweet i'll have to listen right. to that after i get around to listening to very legal very cool yeah yeah at some point you should check it out we'll see we'll see i've got a lot <laughs> i don't really listen to podcasts so <laughs> all right well i think without further uh to do uh thank you for listening to very legal very cool uh the episode that that finally gets us shut down by the, the cia uh, our music is a garage band loop that I've stuck a drum beat behind. And you can follow us at on Twitter at Be Legal Be Cool Pod um, and on some other social media that you can see in the show notes. You can go on the, the World Wide Web and uh, Very Legal Very Dot Cool is our website. Oh, yeah, we we, we spent money and bought a a custom domain for it that is a dot cool instead of a dot com, and we think that that is dot cool and uh yeah so subscribe to our patreon so we can continue to pay the for that domain the please ended by now i know i know i just have a lot to say i've got a lot of feelings